action. Hi, people. Hello. How we doing? <laughs> Welcome to Don't Leave the House episode 14. Yep, 14. Ooh, I wrote it ooh, down this ooh. time. Ha, <laughs> look at you. We're, see, guys, we're getting better. Yeah, we're we're making progress. We're, we're gonna on we're it. gonna get there, guys. Slowly but surely, but it's happening. Audio's slowly. We're trying to get there. We're, we're getting yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're we're adjusting small things to hopefully make it better in every way possible. We're actually trying to build ourselves like an actual studio instead of just like a corner. Well, and also we. We did something fun for our Patreon this week, guys. Um, so if you are a Patreon member, please go check it out. Um, we posted a little short video. Um, but we got some cool stuff that we added to our little corner studio area that we're really excited about. And you need to go and look at it. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, we kind of freaked out. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> um, but as always, I hope everybody's doing okay. Um, uh, the world is still just a mess and I don't even really know what to do anymore, but we'll make it through though, guys. It's fine. Everybody is fine. We're here and we're just going to try to make you laugh or cringe or I don't know. Get your mind off of the bull crap for a half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever this, whatever this is. <laughs> um, so I really kind of struggled just finding a topic this week. So, wink, wink, please, anybody, give me some topics to do. Tell me what you want, because I'm really struggling to find different story topics at this point. I don't know why. Um, but, so my friend Robert um, recommended this story to me. Um, and it is the Philadelphia Experiment. Um, and this this shit's crazy. I, that's all I gotta say. It just, it's crazy. And... It just, I don't like it. So, we're in Philadelphia. We're in the Naval uh, Shipyard in Philadelphia. Okay. And it's October 28th, 1943. And the USS Eldridge um, is a cannon-class destroyer escort. Um, and it had been conducting top secret... And this is a ship, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Um, so... It was conducting top-secret experiments designed to win command of the oceans against the Axis powers. Um, so, we're in the middle of World War II. Okay. So, it's pretty much just like the U.S. Navy is trying to think of all of these crazy ways to overpower the Germans. Right. And take control of the seas, which... I mean, the military still does stuff like that. It makes sense. Well, and I mean, we still have control of all the oceans because we succeeded in this time period. Right. So, yeah. Um, so it was rumored that the government was creating technology that would render naval ships invisible to enemy radar. Okay. So kind of like the jets. I wonder if that's where they got the technology from ish. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause like what I took from that, like when I first read that, it was like, okay, so they're just trying to, like, mess up any sort of, like, frequency or whatever, so it's not going to show up on their radars or whatever. Okay, see, I was thinking physically going invisible. Like, those stealth jets that they have that, like, mirror or whatever. Well, it, it, so, I mean, it does kind of get to that. Okay. Um, But, like, when I first saw that, because it just said, like, the enemy radar, that was, like, my first thought was, like, 
okay, which they do kind of talk more about too. So, I mean, it does go both ways because they wanted to be invisible to the radar, but then it also talks about being naked, invisible to the naked eye. Right. So, um, so witnesses claim that they saw a quote, eerie green, blue glow surrounding the hull of the ship. Um, as the generation, the generations, the generators began to spin. Um, and then suddenly the ship disappeared and it was randomly seen in Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia Okay. before disappearing again and reappearing back in Philadelphia. Okay, so it went... That's not super it's far. It's five hours. Yeah, it's not super, super It's not far. super far, but it's... I mean, it's five hours. Right. But we're uh, not it's, going it's to, like, stretch. the other side of the world or something. No, but I mean... It's, I mean, it's that's still, still... It's still weird. It's still a way. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and we know this because... So, classified military documents reported that... Oh, wait, hold on. Um, I'm going to go back to that, actually. I'm not going to say that yet. Because okay. um, <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Um, but they know that it came to Norfolk because there was um, a troop and cargo vessel, the SS Andrew Furseth. Um that saw the USS Eldridge and its crew like just randomly appear in their harbor and then disappear again. Like people were standing there and watched this boat just like show up. Yeah. So it's people that were on a different ship in Virginia at a different naval area. Right. That saw them appear and then disappear. Wow. Um, and again. So it's almost like they learned how to teleport in a way. Right. Or maybe it was accidental. See, and that was where I kind of went. I was like, so I think maybe they just accidentally... We'll get there. So, okay. <laughs> once... So, classified military documents reported that once the... Or that all of the crew that was on the USS Eldridge was affected by the events in very disturbing ways. Um, some were never seen again. Some went completely insane. Others developed uh, mysterious illnesses. So that kind of makes me think of, and I mean, it's not just the Umbrella Academy, but that's the one I'm thinking of right now. But there's Time lots travel of other movies. It always does fucks things everything. Up. But this is this is the worst part, and it makes me think of, you know, how in Harry Potter when they're learning how to apparate and disapparate, and they and talk and lose limbs and things. <sighs> Some were said to have fused together with the ship still alive with limbs sealed to the metal. Yeah. Oh my god. So kind of like on Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. But it's almost like they like materialized just too close to the ship and now they're like stuck in it. But they're still alive. Okay, so just kill me. Yes! (laughs) I was freaking the fuck out when I I read that. I was like, no, that's not okay. <laughs> this is why we don't play with time travel. And or this is why or we don't trans- try to apparate. Yeah, and this or is like why teleportation. And, and no, just don't do it, you guys. <laughs> That's so dangerous. Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. Um. So can you imagine? <sighs> yeah. I'm sorry. We no, I no. I <laughs> trust me. I you can ask Robert. I literally stood on this for. That's why I sat in the kitchen freaking out for like a half an hour last night because I read that sentence and I was like, no. I don't like this anymore. This is not okay. <laughs> oh god, it's horrible. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so 
It involved the creation of a force field, which rendered the ship invisible to both the human eye and to the radar. Um, Witnessed, again, by hundreds of sailors, both ashore and on other ships. Um, So there was actually, like, two different experiments that were said to have been conducted in the Philadelphia experiment. Okay. So on July 22nd was the first experiment, which was a method of electrical field manipulation, which they, so like they masked electricity. So it couldn't bounce off of like the radars. So like it would like mess up the frequency to where it wouldn't clash into it. It would just like flow with it. So it couldn't be seen on a radar kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then that's when going back to October 22nd, that's when they um, did the teleportation and small-scale time travel because, I guess, the set, the ship was also sent a few seconds into the past. And we really just think that it was by mistake. Like, they were trying to mess with all of these things, trying to render them invisible, and accidentally opened up a portal or something like that. Potentially. Just don't mess with crap, guys. Let things be. <laughs> um... So now we kind of kind of get more deep into it. So prior to the mid 1950s, no rumors of weird activity surrounded any teleportation or invisibility experiments in North America in the 40s, let alone in Philadelphia. Um, but then we meet Carl Meredith Allen, aka Carlos Miguel Allende. Um, he sent a bunch of letters to this astronomer and writer, Morris Jessup. Um, Jessup was an author of, like, a bunch of these early UFO books. Okay. I I was like, why do I recognize his name? Yeah. So, you know him. <laughs> so, he claimed... So, Alan claimed to be on the SS Andrew, which was the one that was in Norfolk. Okay. During the second experiment, and claims that he saw the Eldridge emerge and then disappear. And so he reached out to Jessup and was like, okay, this is what the fuck happened. But he didn't have any proof to support what he had claimed because it was literally just like a he said type situation. Right. But he won over Jessup. Like, he was like, oh, no, like, tell me more. Tell me more. Um, Convinced. Yes. So he. Where was I? Um, sorry, my notes are all crazy again. Um, oh yeah, so, so Alan claimed that he had been taught by Einstein himself, and the things that he saw on October 28th could prove the, the unified field theory. Okay, and which, the unified field theory attempted to merge Einstein's general theory of reality with electromagnetism. Okay. Which, do you know, I mean, I kind of know, like, the general theory of relativity and all that stuff, but, like, so this is what he said. He said, Einstein was on another test ship, um, and him and his team were using the Navy for their research, This other guy wound the coils on the beam generator based off of work by Nikola Tesla. Right. 
Um, Einstein then proved invisibility is a... All right, so these words are the ones that I don't really understand that Robert had to explain to me. Okay. So <laughs> it says, Einstein proved invisibility is a precursor to propulsion beyond the speed... Propulsion. Propulsion beyond the speed of light. It's nothing more than the precondition to a practical utilization of the magnet field related to the Einstein tunnel propulsion system. Okay. So pretty much he said what that means is Einstein believes that invisibility occurs that second before you hit the speed of light. Oh, okay. And, but then it also means you have to be aware that that is there for it to actually be a thing. So kind of like when we were watching the mandala effect, like, does a tree really make a noise if you're not there to hear it? Right. Kind right. of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah. So I know that was a lot of big words, but that's how he kind of explained that to me. Um, so Jessup wrote his book. Um, I, can't, I don't know why I didn't write it down. But the one book that he, like, became most famous for contained all of these annotations claiming that extraterrestrials technology allowed the U.S. government to make breakthroughs in unified field theory. Um, and in this book, the weirdest part about this book is they were designed to look like three different authors wrote it. So like they were all in the same handwriting, but in like different colors and like all sounded completely different. Like he was trying to make it That's sound like weird. three so different people wrote it. He was trying to legitimize it. himself. Well, he like, and it, like one quote was like, was he trying to make it sound like an alien was writing one of the, like was one of the authors or like, it was just really fucking weird. Well, I don't know why he did that or what. It, it probably sounds like he couldn't get anybody to back him. So, so he, he tried to himself. back him up himself. Yeah. Um, so he honestly, this Alan dude also was just very kind of Looney Tune though. Um, because so Jessup got so involved in him trying to like prove that all of this Einstein shit was real and all this other stuff. And he ended up committing suicide four years after his first contact with Alan, the Jessup dude. Okay. So I don't know if that had anything to do with that or not, but I mean, that was like a big part of his life was he was like trying to prove all of this Einstein shit to be real or whatever. Um, now here are some of the like debunking theories, unfortunately. Um, so in the 1940s, the Navy did conduct a lot of experiments trying to make the ships quote unquote invisible in Philadelphia, but like with a different manner and like different desire or a different set of desired results. So what they did was like they would run electric currents through hundreds of meters of electric cal cable. <laughs> I can't even read my own handwriting. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm glad you can. That's fine. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Hundreds of meters of electrical cable around the hull of the ship to see if they could make the ship invisible to underwater and surface mines. So okay. the German developed these magnetic mines that would latch themselves onto the metal hulls of the ships as they would like pass through. Right. So they were trying to like fuck up the magnetism. So they would be invisible and they wouldn't get those mines caught on them. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Right. Um, so like there was a bunch of these things that did happen. Um, and then also what I found pretty interesting is it says that on July twenty second, nineteen forty three, which was the day of the first experiment, right, the Eldridge had not yet been commissioned. Commanded. No, commissioned. Commissioned. Oh. It had From yet to angle, be commissioned. It looks like an e- it oh, never mind. It's fine. No, you're fine. Anyway. <laughs> Barely neither one of us can read my handwriting. So basically it wasn't even in working order at that point. Correct. Is what you're saying. Yes. Um also it spent October twenty eighth in a New York harbor waiting to escort a naval convoy to Casablanca. So it supposedly wasn't even in Philadelphia on the day that all of this shit supposedly happened. Um, and then also the SS Andrew Norfolk spent October 28th sailing across the Atlantic and route to um, Oran, which is like a Mediterranean country, I believe it said. So, so they weren't even in West Virginia. Correct. So like all of these things completely discredited everything that Ellen said pretty much. So take that as you will. I personally found it pretty debunked. I mean, I think it's valid that they were doing crazy experiments. I just don't know if that really happened. That, But I mean, these paper trails of these ships being in completely different places could have completely been falsified. I don't know. Trying to cover something. Right, because I mean, like, um, this, this Allen guy, he also said, like, on multiple occasions, he's like, no, I saw that guy on the ship. I saw he was one of the guys that was on the ship that appeared in front of me, like, like at a bar or something one time. Like, oh, I that's he, weird. Yeah. So it was, huh. I don't know. Take it as you will. There was a lot. It, it's a crazy fucking story. And I mean, if people physically saw these people like welded into the fucking ship, how do you explain that? Or if there are these other witnesses on other boats saying, like, no, I definitely saw this thing appear and then fucking disappear. Maybe it is a cover-up. You know? I I don't know. You never know. Conspiracy theories. But, so thanks, Robert, for that crazy fucking story. But that is the Philadelphia experiment. It was awesome. I liked it. (laughs) All right. So this week, I am talking about... The Wendigo, my favorite cryptid. Here you go, Tiffy. And honestly, I was a little proud of myself because I actually taught myself something this week. So, oh hell yeah, I'm so excited, dude. Wendigos are just one of those that they're they're e yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, so we're just gonna go. Okay, I guess first of all, I'm gonna tell you, I broke this down into three different sections because I didn't really know how to organize it, so I just we're going to talk about one thing and then another thing and then the last thing. Okay. Okay. That works. So first we're going to get into the cryptid itself. Okay. So we're going to talk about. What is the Wendigo? Exactly. Can we so. Wendigos? Um. <laughs> In New Mexico. So the story and see, I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what? <I'm... laughs> my 
I could not get my shit together with this story this week. And, like, my brain can't even wrap itself around this. Anyway, so it says here that the story starts in 1800s, but really, we should have taken it back to, like, the 1600s. Okay. But we'll get to that point. So, for right now, we're in the 1800s. Heard. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I remember that fondly. Yeah, it was a good time. (laughs) Oh, and we're... Okay, so... We're in Canada. Ah, great, and great country of Canada. Well, it's primarily in Canada, like the eastern part, Nova Scotia, but it's also into like the Great Lakes region of the U.S. Okay, so like Michigan. And the folklore originates from the Algonquian tribes, and that includes several different types of natives. So we're talking like the, and these are just some of them. The Inu, the Ojibwe, the Cree, and the Nescapi, those are all included in that. Okay. There was some more, but yeah, these were the main ones we were talking about anyways. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different ways to spell and pronounce the word Wendigo. Okay. Some of them, I don't know how Wendigo and that word are the same thing, but there was a lot of different ways to say it. Oh, uh-uh, okay. Makes sense. Um, basically, though, all of those different spellings and pronunciations all loosely translate to the evil spirit that devours mankind. Ew. Yeah, it's not a great. Ew! It's not a great name. <laughs> okay, good start. The Wendigo is described as a human-like creature that appears to have been possessed by an evil spirit that trans- transforms them into monsters. Okay. Most often, Wendigos are described as cold weather, like they're... They're prone to cold weather. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, they're a supernatural creature that is evil and cannibalistic. <laughs> this is a direct quote from Basil H. Johnston. He was an Ojibwe teacher, author, and scholar. Okay. And he said... The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out back against its skin. Ew! Its complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed deep back into their sockets. Oh, I don't like that at all! (laughs) The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave, what lips it had were tattered and bloody, Ew! unclean and suffering from the superation. It's not separation. It's superation <laughs> of the flesh. Oh, I don't like that. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition uh, of death and corruption. Uh, yeah, it's gross. Not uh, okay, so I just see like Billy... From Hocus Pocus. Okay. Mixed with, like, Benny from Halloween Town. (laughs) (laughs) Probably creepier. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of other descriptions of the creature. Um, Most of them included being 15 foot tall. But he has antlers, right? We'll get to that. Okay, sorry. He's 15 foot tall. That's tall. He's got large owl-like eyes, long, sharp claws, and things. But his eyes are sucked into his sockets, but they're big? Yes. Oh, God, I don't like... 
yeah, he's got long, sharp claws and fangs, a lack of lips, and matted hair covering the body. So we've seen both, like, skeletal with skin and sometimes also with hair. Or is it just, like, gross, like, dirty patches of hair? Unclear. Ah, I don't like it either way. I mean, keep in mind, there's several different tribes that are telling the same story, so they're all slightly... But, I mean, maybe he started hairy and then just lost all of his hair, and now he's just fucking skin. Yeah. Maybe he really is truly decaying, and that's why he's not Oh, my God! That's so (laughs) fucking disgusting! Ew! Ugh! He's basically the embodiment of greed and excess consumption. <laughs> um, some say that the Wendigo is incredibly fast and agile, while others say that he walks slow and haphazardly as though he's falling apart. So, again, he's probably I, literally decaying. Away. Yeah, so I'm sure at one point he was like, bitch, I got you. And now he's like, okay, hold on. I'm coming. Right? <laughs> <laughs> The Wendigo does not have to actively hunt for its prey, aka humans, because it has the ability to mock human voices. So it can go out into the middle of the woods and then it can draw you out to them and it isolates you because they've pulled you out into the middle of the woods like screaming for help or whatever. Okay, so that makes me think of, you know how in the second Hunger Games, when they're in that- the Jabber Jays? Yeah, when she thinks that it's- Her sister? Yeah! Yes. So that's horrifying. Yeah. I don't so like that. Call you because I would think them. it's like my children or something. I don't like that. And then they get you so far into the woods looking to help whoever it is. And then you get lost and you fucked. Yeah. Oh, I don't like so that. So they don't even have to hunt you. They just oh my God. Them. I don't like this. <laughs> not even. Yeah. And fun. Robert wants to fucking go on a walk. No. Fuck you. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. So, it's said that Wendigos, they grow in proportion to the meal that it eats. So, like, depending on your size, they grow that much. So, so they, they want the never, big guys. They're never full, though, because they grow. So, oh. they're constantly hungry. Oh! So, if you eat, like, the rock, you're just going to want more rocks. Right. So you're better off sticking to, like, me. Yeah, so you stay fairly small in size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't have to keep looking for these giant-ass men. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wendigos are said to take form in, like, three different ways that I saw. There may be more, but the ones that I saw were when a person is taken over by insatiable greed. Okay. When a person is forced by circumstance to resort to cannibalism. So, like, if you're lost in the woods and you don't have a way to... And it's just such a sin that you turn into this demon. Correct. That's kind of horrible because you're literally like, do I die or do I become... I don't like this. And then the other one is when a person is near a Wendigo for too long. Oh, so that can't even necessarily be your fault. Right, so like if it chooses not to, if it just wants to stalk you, you and just fuck create you. a new one, yeah, yeah. like I want a friend, so I'm just gonna like secretly stalk you for the next week. Yeah. Ew. The only way to cure having this issue is to die. Like they have to just kill you. So there's no cure. You just have to be killed. Yes. Can they die of natural causes? 
I don't know. We didn't talk about that part. I didn't see it. Literally, I didn't see that in. Well, I'm just curious if they, like, eventually just decay into nothing. If that Honestly, is the right they, theory, if they are just, like, decaying. I don't know. I didn't see hmm. that anywhere. I just know well, that, no, like. That's just food for thought, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Is there a specific way to kill them, like a vampire? I used several different websites this time, and I literally didn't see. Fair. So, but as far as killing one goes, I don't think there was any specific. You just have to. We're not talking like silver bullet. Yeah, like a werewolf or a vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was curious (laughs) of. Okay, so we're moving into the next section, which is the Wendigo as a concept. Oh, this is where it got interesting because I didn't really, I had only Think ever about heard it of that encrypted. way. Right. Okay. And honestly, I wonder if you'll notice, but like halfway through doing my research, I was like, wait a minute. I think white people did this. <laughs> of course we did. We're horrible. And then are we Wendigos? Point, they literally said the white people are Wendigos. No, no. Eh. Okay. We'll get to it. All right. But like, I was like, wait, this is a white people thing. <laughs> Why are we so fucking horrible? I hate being a human. So, like I said, not only is it viewed as a cryptid, but it's also a concept. This concept can apply to anyone or anything that's driven or possessed by arrogancy or greed. So, basically, if someone's full of evil or you're possessed by evil tendencies or an evil spirit, you that's, that's what Wendigo is. It's a state... Being not, you don't become a monster except in your head. So, it's like a psychological thing. Do you get so what I'm you think you're a monster, or everybody else thinks you're a monster? Probably a little both. Like the best way I can think of it is think of Jeffrey Dahmer. Like he was killing and eating people. Oh. He wasn't a physical monster. He was still a man, but he was very oh. much a monster. You know, and what I'm he was very like Wendigo like because he was a cannibal and. That was why I used him specifically as a dude. (laughs) So holy shit! Does that make no? That the fact that you said Jeffrey Dahmer just made it all click. That's literally why I chose him. Yeah, no, because I felt like he was the best way to explain it. (laughs) No, but I feel like even like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Ed Gein could have. He didn't necessarily. Well, Well, he did do a little bit of cannibalism, but he like mutilated the bodies and. Right, but in this particular way of thinking it's not necessarily cannibalism cannibalism. it's just just evil doing in general so pretty much all serial killers are technically a wendigo correct but jeffrey dahmer just went just happened to be the poster child (laughs) oh okay i kind of like this can i just call like i was fascinated well i i love i love the name of serial killers like i'm not disputing that but i wish we just kind of would have called them wendigos at this point but, I mean, I'm sure Wendigos and serial killers could also differ. We got to get to the white people part, and then okay. you'll get why we don't. I got you, okay. <laughs> Damn white people. It's coming. Like, right now it's coming. So, not only can this be applied to a specific person, but it can also be tied to a chain of events or a group of people that creates negative energy of destruction. So, were Nazis Wendigos? Technically, yes. Okay. Or the one white of the people that biggest... took over the Native American land? Exactly. <laughs> the biggest example of this that I saw was colonialism wow. of the Europeans moving in and taking over America. That was the biggest example of collective Wendigo. Oh my Lanta. Right. 
But it doesn't just apply to the relationships between the white people and the natives. It was any pattern of denomination in which a group Right, so even like another. the Nazis killing the Jews or or racism in general. Yeah, or us going after everybody. Right. <laughs> it's Okay, no, but I wow. That I've never thought of that as a concept like that before. I had never that's, heard of it being No, a that's extremely fascinating and I love it. But we still haven't even reached the white people part I was talking about. Oh. That was one of the white people parts, but there's a different one. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> God, we're fucking horrible people. <laughs> so there's an English professor at Arizona State University and his name is Joe Lockhart. Okay. He believes that Wendigos don't have like, like national borders. They can go all over the world and there's evil like everywhere. Just said, yeah, the there's Nazis. evil everywhere. Right. So he's in the same mind frame as you. Like also, it's not just focused in these tribes, it's everywhere. Did you also say Lockhart like Gilderoy Lockhart? Hard, not heart. Oh. So kind of a no. I just that that was the face I saw when you said that. So I just <laughs> had to ask. <laughs> so basically what he thinks though is it's Basically, the embodiment of the dark side of human nature. Okay. I Okay. I mean, I like that, though. I love this. Like, the Wendigo was already my favorite, and now I love it more. Yeah, because, like you said, I have never once thought of it in this way. And it's exactly. extremely fascinating. Yeah, I, because no, I it's, like it. it's like a seven, it's one of the seven deadly sins. Like, greed is one of the seven deadly sins. As I feel like the Wendigo could just be the poster child of that. And it really turned you into a monster. It really, I mean, theoretically, all, though, not physically. Right. But I mean, if you think about it, like greed in general, like when it comes to money or power or whatever, like that is the root of all evil is greed. Right. Now, since we've talked about this concept version, it, there's actually a name for that. It's Wendigo psychosis. It's the scientific term for it. Oh. Okay. And it's actually caused several different debates and things over the years, okay. debating whether or not it's a real thing or whatever. But I think it is. Basically, it's a mental illness that creates those cannibalistic urges or your greed or those kinds of things. So, but it has to escalate to a certain point, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, like, Jeffrey Dahmer was probably up there in that category because he had the cannibalism, plus he was extra greedy. There was so many things about Right. Him. Whereas John Wayne Gacy, I feel like, would have been considered one, too, just because of the sheer amount of horror and death and everything. There Whereas, so many like, bodies. like, where maybe, like, if you look at, um... Charles Manson, probably not, because he was a manipulator, he, not an act. He wasn't, right. he wasn't Or even, it. like, um, Ed Kemper. Like, well, no. no I feel like he he, he did a lot of evil him. shit. He did. No, I liked your Charles Manson. That was probably the only good one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or David. Because he didn't necessarily kill anybody. Oh, oh, I was like, David. Of Waco. Yes, yes, yes. It took me a minute, but I got you. Like, he was fucked up in the head, but it wasn't necessarily him murdering people or anything. Or He didn't murder any of his children. Correct. Got you. Okay, so now we're going to talk about some stories. <laughs> okay. Um, this first one, that's where the 1600s came into play. Okay. Um, in the Jesuit relations, 
that is an annual report of the year's most important events that occurred within the missionary of the Jesuits. Okay. In this report, they said, this whole thing is a really long quote, but I didn't, their words were the best to use. Okay. Heard. Um, they reported this after there was an incident in which a large group of people resorted to cannibalism after being stranded out. Okay. It was a whole thing. So, but it says, what caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met upon us entering the lake, namely that the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming, had met death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those men, according to the report given to us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people they were seeking. They were afflicted by neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but had a combination of all of those species of disease, which affects their imagination and caused them a more canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pronounce upon women and children and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them ferociously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey. And the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. Oh! I don't... Uh. So this was in a report, but I mean... Uh, but, oh! Uh. Horrifying, nonetheless. No, like, just the fact... Oh, I... Just... I don't like any of this. Then we have the next one. It's the story of Swift Runner. It happened in the late 1800s. The late 1800s. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Swift Runner was a Cree trapper in Alberta, Canada. One winter, he, his wife, and their six children found themselves struggling pretty bad. His oldest son passed away, and the rest of them were starving, so they were on their way to death, death. too. Yeah. Uh, They were 25 miles away from the nearest emergency supply house. Swift Runner murdered and ate all of the remaining family members. Oh, my... So, the dad? Yes. Oh, my God! Um, This was determined not to be a case of cannibalism for survival, but Wendigo psychosis because of the greed shown by eating all of them. Your own fucking children! Well, six people. His five remaining children and his wife. Six people. There was no need for that. No! Oh my god! If you were just trying to survive, you could have just eaten a dead kid. Yeah! Anyway. Oh! Holy fucking Christ. Okay. Not to mention, they were only 25 miles away. It's really not that far. They really probably could have made it. No! Yeah! Like, oh my god! Yes. Well, and I'm sorry, I don't care if I was fucking starving. Kill me and cook me up for my kids. Yeah, I'm not going to eat my entire freaking family. No! So, apparently everybody agreed with us and that's not how you handle things because he was tried and found guilty of murder and he was hanged for his crimes. Good! Fuck you! 
Um, here's the next one. In the early 1900s, a Cree shaman by the name of Jack Fiddler gained recognition due to his powers and ability to defeat Wendigos. Okay. This occasionally required him to kill people that had already been possessed by Wendigo. So, but how can you prove that they've been possessed? And how can you say that's not murder? Well, over his time working as a shaman, he killed 14 people. And though he maintained this was to save many other lives, he and his brother, Joseph, were both arrested for homicide. Jack escaped and hung himself before the trial. Yeah, yeah. And then Joseph was sentenced to life in prison, but he won in an appeal and was supposed to be released. But and that was the brother? Yes. Okay. He was supposed to be released, but he died of consumption or tuberculosis three days before he was set to be released. Okay. One, that's really sad because I feel like you were coerced into doing some evil shit that I don't know if you necessarily wanted to do. Two, your brother is a fucking puss and took the easy route out and that pisses me off. And I'm sorry. that's just not okay (laughs) here's the other white part i was talking about oh god so about the same time that these brothers were doing their thing there was a short story released called the wendigo it was written by algernon blackwood okay this was really the first time that the wendigo was introduced into non-indigenous oh so like out of the tribes they brought it to the white people. Got you. And us being us have to distort everything. Because why not? So that's pretty much where the cryptid we know came from is because of what happened after this, basically. Oh. I so see. he brought it to light, but then there was plenty of other people that took it and ran with it. Some of the most well-known examples of this are... The Thing That Walks in the Wind, Ithaquah, and Pet Cemetery. I've heard of Ithaquah. And I know you know what Pet Cemetery is. Well, yeah. And I refuse to watch it. Um, Actually, the version of the Wendigo that we know and love with the horns, it was thank you to Stephen King. <laughs> of course it was. He's really the one that kind of... Re- he was the first one to, like, put horns on it and stuff like that. Did, so he kind of, did he do a movie on it? I just said it was Pet Cemetery. Okay, so now I kind of want to watch it. Okay. But is it about pets? You, apparently you just need to watch it. Well, I just don't want to watch, like, cats and dogs getting fucking murdered. It's not... Don't fuck with cats. Well, that's why I've never watched that movie because it's called Pet Cemetery, so I assume it's about It's like zombie animals. Oh, I don't like that either. Anyway. But why are they animals? If the Wendigo... Moving on from this. That's where the Wendigo we know comes from. Anyway. Okay. There's been plenty of other versions of the Wendigo out there. There's been in plenty of different shows, movies, comics. Supernatural... Grim, Charmed, even the Marvel Marvel comics. It was in The Incredible Hulk number 162. Oh. And it was even in the DuckTales Christmas special titled The Last Christmas. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> DuckTales. 
I kind of want to watch that one. No, but that's like when we were watching the Mandala Effect yesterday, and they had the Looney Tunes on the TV, and there was all the schwastikas, and then there's Hitler, and I'm like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> like, is that an actual Looney Tunes commercial? No, or probably episode? A, it probably like, was. <laughs> Looney Tunes has been around a long time. <coughs> Things like that weren't I just... looked at as inappropriate. <laughs> Back then. I like I just looked at the cartoon and saw a swastika and was like, oh the actual fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> fun time. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, that was fun. That was a good episode. Yeah. That I was liked enjoyable. It. I um, thought it was a fun episode. Yours was, was creepy. Mine was I enlightening. Just... Yeah, yours is super enlightening. Creepy ass motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Jeffrey well, Dahmers. Hey, don't be fucking greedy, okay? Don't eat people either. Yeah, don't eat people. That's called cannibalism and is, in fact, frowned upon in most societies. Indeed. Just so you know. Indeed. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, please go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Don't Leave the House. Um, email us any suggestions on stories. Um, don't leave the house podcast at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group. Reach out to us, people. We want to hear from you. Um, also, I've been thinking about doing a giveaway. We have to figure out what we're going to do with that, but keep your eyes out. Yeah, because I may or may not have splurged on a, um, on a t-shirt press. Just throwing that out there. So. Yeah. Yeah. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, And we'll see you next week. Don't forget. Don't don't leave the house. house. Don't leave the house, dude. I love you.